0: hey everybody welcome back to rock and roll shinsu chu uh good to see everybody again i'm gabe estel and i'm here with my co-host jonathan getz and dennis levi leach how's it going fellas good good good
1: good
0: to see uh yeah you know we had to take a little bit of a break there's a new big league slugger uh future slugger uh barrett estel so uh so that that explains the uh the uh, couple week hiatus we had there. So
1: a formal congratulations. Thank you. Yes. Thank
0: you. Yeah. It's, it's exciting. Um, he's, he's peeing on his father at a big league level. It's, it's really great. <laughs> oh so, yeah. Um, I might as well just wear a raincoat around the house. Seriously. <laughs> nice. Um, so, yeah, but he's great. Thank you. I appreciate it. um, Well, a lot's happened in baseball uh, over the last two weeks since we recorded our last episode. Um, One of the big things we're going to talk about tonight, really the focus of the show, I should say, is uh, the draft. The MLB draft happened, uh, I guess it would be two weeks ago now, right? Yeah, two weeks ago, just about two weeks ago. Um, So big draft this year. Seemed to get a little more buzz than uh, previous years. I don't know if that's just baseball kind of you know, marketing it a bit more and ramping it up because baseball always, you know, the NFL draft and the NBA draft had always overshadowed the, the baseball draft, I think, uh, just in terms of, I mean, in it, the NFL is huge. So that probably has something to do with it. The NFL, as far as news goes, doesn't really ever have an off season, but, uh, the baseball draft seems like it's getting a little more buzz lately. Um, so we're going to talk about our, the picks for each of our teams, as well as uh, some of the more infamous draft picks from uh, from each of those teams as well from yesteryear, so uh, so, so some historical picks, um, some of which didn't, most of which didn't pan out. We're going to focus on those. Um, but before we do that, obviously a little bit of a recap with uh, the last couple weeks. Royals playing well, really started hitting. Uh, Cubs playing much better. White Sox not as much. Um, we uh, got swept in California, and then um, you know haven't had a got swept by Kansas City. So uh, so yeah, we've had a, we've had a rough go of it. Um, but the Royals are are playing like a lot of people expected them to. Jonathan, how is the temperature in Kansas City? How would you how would you age it?
1: They're getting excited. Apparently, the uh, the big shift occurred with the uh, new hitting coach. Um, it seems uh, that.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I do know who your new hitting coach is. What's that? New hitting coach? No. Do you know who it is? No, I, I stopped keeping tabs about seven hitting coaches ago.
0: Well I asked Levi if he knows who he, who who it is. It's Dale Swaim. Oh, that's right. It's Dale oh Swaim God. coach. <laughs> Why the
2: hell couldn't he do it?
1: So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, but, you know, they, the, the Royals caught fire last uh, June as well. And uh, I think, but last June when they caught fire, they were still only hitting like 250 as a team. Um, but their pitching was immaculate. And this year, their pitching is pretty good. It's not as good, but they're hitting about 280. Right.
0: Yeah. Which for a team average. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Levi, the Cubs. I, I think certainly uh things have looked looked better over the last couple weeks I've played some good yeah. stuff I think
2: yeah yeah I they uh, I mean they're put it together, yeah, they haven't looked bad I mean there's been a few hiccups, but overall they're they're they seem to be on an upswing, which is surprising because as most Cub fans know, we're used to the June swoon so <laughs> um it it hasn't come yet, so we'll see I mean. Right now, with Miami as we speak, but um, we'll see how they do.
0: Yeah, yeah, right. Um, I think uh, I mean the White Sox teams that that we talk about on this show have certainly fared the worst over the last the last two weeks. Um, fortunately, we play in a division where a five game winning streak could propel you to first place almost uh, in the in the yeah. Central. So, uh, and Detroit. Is certainly um, certainly hasn't looked good uh, at all over the last uh, the last couple weeks the White Sox were able to steal a series from them um, but yeah Verlander doesn't I don't know it's just not clicking for him um, uh, and yeah the pitching staff just just hasn't looked um, like the powerhouse that it's been over the last couple of years but I also think they could get hot you know I mean it's June. Um, obviously, I don't, I don't think it's time to write anybody off yet, so so we'll see. Um, but what we're going to do tonight, um, we're going to focus on the draft, uh, talk about the the first round picks um, for each of our three teams, a little bit about those. Um, certainly, they were there were some high profile players chosen, particularly by the White Sox, um, who had one of their highest picks in a number of years, uh, but switching the conversation over to rock and roll um i kind of cooked up this concept over a couple weeks ago when when we were talking um and really it involves a rock and roll draft and draft a draft involves younger players as we know um there's a lot of good music out there right now uh certainly the music industry has changed but still a lot of good bands you just kind of you know have to know where to look for them um so what we've decided to do with this this, this concept is um, we've got kind of a pool of young bands that, that the three of us like, and um, kind of think of it this way, crafting um, the band to play on our team, and our team would consist of our favorite artists, right? Um, so kind of like, you're, you're, you know, you're, there's 25 big league rosters, 25 guys, you know, you think of like your your sort of twenty five favorite bands or twenty five bands that you really dig. Um, this these guys are kinda like the rookies on in the farm system or on it maybe even on the bench for that team. Okay? It's like they're basically think of it this way. They're they're in the Levi Leach rock and roll organization now. All right? That's that's you gotta think of it in those Yes. So. um, So, yeah. So these are bands. The only criteria that I really gave everybody was, um, you know, we wanted the band just keeping in line with the draft. The band should be relatively young. You know, a band that's really emerged probably within the last 10 years or so. Um, So. So that's that was and that was really the only criteria. Um, So it's got to be a quote unquote younger band um, that's, that's broken through and that, you know, has really captured your attention. And they become one of those bands that really, when they come around, you want to go see them, you get excited when they have a new record out and, you know, further down the road, they could become, you know, one of those bands that you really like. Um, uh, I'm going to Levi's going to give, uh, his pick first. So, um, Levi, go ahead. And if you want to tell us, uh, tell us your, your first round pick. And then uh, we'll we'll go, okay. uh, and go round Robin there.
2: My first round pick is a band that is now getting a lot of exposure, a lot of press, uh, coming out of New York, kind of on the punk, lazy stoner grunge type, I guess, scene you would say. And um, my first encounter with them actually was on the Jimmy Fallon show, uh, late night with Jimmy Fallon. It was one of the last shows I think they did before he became the tonight show and uh, uh that band is the parkour mm. and i got this 45 of theirs from record store day it's off their new album called Sunbathing animal and um i just from the first time i saw them, like i said on jimmy fallon i just liked their sound how it was maybe a little bit more lo-fi and um you know the guitars. St- solos were filled with like maybe more angst instead of technicality you mm. know in playing and um i don't know i just i just liked them and then like i said i bought this 45 of theirs and it's from their new lp and it's excellent and um the song they did on jimmy fallon was called stoned and starving and it is off of their lp before this which was called light up gold which actually both records now have gotten quite a bit of like an underground following um so I, I think they could be a big band of the future, for sure.
0: Nice. Yeah, when you uh, when you get a chance, Levi, after the show, uh, post a clip of that on the Shin Choo, Choo Facebook
2: page. Yeah, I, I, gotta fi- I, I know I can find one of them doing a, a, some songs in, like, Austin, and it's like a live radio thing. Nice. The Jimmy Fallon thing, as soon as he became The Tonight Show, they took all his old late-night videos off YouTube.
0: Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, um cool man yeah i i honestly i i'm not familiar so uh so i always i'm I'm excited to hear uh hear a new name definitely good stuff man uh the i like that you sort of took the punk angle as well because uh there's uh you know there's a lot of good young bands across genres um right now so good stuff man um yeah yeah definitely good choice um
2: yeah, for anyone out there like wanting to search them, it, 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 they are parquet courts, like tubs of parquet margarine. Okay, but they got they got instead of leaf I assume with parquet. Right. And so it's like park floors now. It's P A R Q U uh-huh. E T, and courts as in C O U R T S. So yeah, look them up. Give them a shot.
0: Cool. Um. When they, uh, when they, when they, the park lawsuit. Uh, whenever they they play secret shows, they play under the name Country Croc, right? Uh, so anyway, <laughs> wow, <laughs> yes. I'll be here all week. Um, all right, that was terrible. Okay, I'm gonna go with uh, with with my pick next, and actually, they're a pretty heavy band. Um, so uh, there's been a lot of really good younger heavy metal bands in the last few years. It's kind of like after heavy metal got over that new metal period that when i say that i mean like in you metal all the bands that that were lumped into that genre which i would have to say is probably even though i love heavy metal heavy metal is probably one of my favorite genres new metal is probably my least favorite genre of music ever i'm talking about like the corns and the limp biscuits and the um god there's so many of them that are terrible lincoln park all of those um. Once, once metal it, it sort of got out of that, and those bands popular fade. Thank goodness. Um. There's been a lot of sort of progressive metal that has gotten some attention, as well as a lot of the metal from overseas that is, you know, a little more um, kind of thrash oriented or even prog oriented. Um. That stuff has has really, you know, gained more attention, and I think rightfully so because the musicianship is just so good. Um. Even if I don't always like some of the vocals, you know, there's kind of that that guttural vocal sound sometimes, which which I I can only stomach occasionally. Um, I still appreciate the musicianship. But these guys that are my first round pick, um, these guys sort of their originality really caught me. Um, I heard them through uh, RDO when I was streaming. I was just kind of looking up sort of stoner metal bands bands i hadn't heard of and these guys came up and they're a band called torch um and that's t-o-r-c-h-e um they've got two lps uh one from 2008 called uh 2008 or 2009 called harmonocraft and or, i'm sorry um uh meanderthal and then there's one that that got me into them which i think was the from 2012 it was my favorite record uh called harmonocraft and um these guys are really, really good. If you haven't heard them yet, um, I highly suggest checking them out. Um, Somebody—I don't know if it was a critic or somebody reviewing the record on on RDO or on Amazon—said uh, called them Doom Pop, which I think is a really a really apt description. Um, you know, they—if anybody can sound kind of heavy but heavy metal, but yet sort of poppy at the same time. Uh, they've got it they're kind of like a cross between um there's an old band an old stoner metal band called sleep um this is a great band um they're kind of like that but they've got a little bit to make them a little more accessible they've got sort of a foo fighters kind of vibe to them you know sort of the uplifting lyrics at times um you know good good harmonies uh so yeah they're kind of like you know a, a stoner metal sort of channeled through the foo fighters um They've got a little bit of maybe a Fu Manchu or Queens of the Stone Age influence as well. Um, but it's really its own sound. So if you haven't checked them out yet, I highly recommend them. Um, they're called Torch, and it's T-O-R-C-H-E. they got two LPs, Harmonicraft being the most recent one. And then I've, I've read that they're working on another one right now. And uh, just, just really good, just really knocked me out um, when I heard Harmonicraft. So, so that's they would be my first round pick, just a uh, really original sound.
1: You you are always playing them on, on RDO. I, 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 I <laughs> One of the great things I love about RDO is you can see what everybody's playing all the time and it it kinda of feels like you're in the next room and, and I definitely have the albums I, I'm I'm always spinning, but uh uh that that would have been one of the first bands I would have thought of if if I was thinking of your your RDO with mainstays.
0: Yeah, I'm into it, man. Hell, I got a t-shirt, dude. I uh, am <laughs> I'm, I'm all in. Ah. I, I missed them. Came to Chicago to a street festival last summer and uh just I had this something some conflict came up and I couldn't see him. Um but uh yeah, hopefully they'll come around again soon. Yeah. So. Yeah.
1: Well. So, guess yeah. what about
0: you, man? our our last pick of the first round? You know,
1: it's just like a traditional draft sense, as soon as I heard you go and more uh, uh the metal i i was i was relieved that this band would fall to me and uh uh th- this is a band that that really i've i've uh they had released a record about uh, uh f- six years ago almost now or no no i'm sorry not not quite that long um uh but uh, uh 2011 um the war on drugs released uh, slave ambient and uh, uh, that was uh, that. This is an album that has not left my crappy CD player in my Saturn uh, uh, s- pretty much since I got it. The um, uh, uh, War on Drugs, you know, this is uh, Slave Ambient their, their second record. Um, right. The first one uh, uh, featured uh, uh, Kurt Vile, who we might hear from later in this draft, and. Um, uh, you know, it's the war on drugs is, uh, it's this sound that I, I just don't tire of. It's as if, um, uh, it's like an eighties Bruce Springsteen mentality, but, um, a, a bit more lo-fi. Um, and, but he's always giving his nod to, you know, the heavy keyboard hook, um, and, uh, it's, it, it can be extended at times, you know, some of the, the songs can average, you know, maybe five or six minutes and, uh, it just has this vibe to it that is pretty laid back. Um, but at the same time, there are definitely some layers there of, of uh, just some, some great rock and roll. And, right. uh, they, re- uh, recently, uh, followed up, uh, Slave Ambient and uh with uh, uh with the lost in the dream which uh, uh just came out uh this past march and that one you know initially I, I i wasn't quite sure you know what what to think of it and uh over and that was good because usually the albums that stick around the longest are the ones you don't know what to think of at first like you can't quite grasp it and so uh after probably about 12 15 listens i really started to appreciate uh lost in the dream and it's uh, you know what they're doing there is only getting better and uh, uh even though they lost a talent like kurt vile to you know so he could go do his own thing it really it's it's been the best uh for, for both artists um and uh i think the war on drugs could you know they can put out one album every um every few years four or five years that's fine because their albums have these longevity this longevity that can tie you over that long so uh pretty psyched to be goes finally going to see them uh here in uh lawrence uh in uh, september october got my tickets in the mail earlier this week and uh very very excited
0: nice nice you know they kind of uh excellent choice they were certainly they were certainly on my list too uh but uh they they remind me you mentioned bruce springsteen and um that's certainly app Uh, they're from philadelphia and when stephanie and i saw them on new year's eve we went to visit her parents and Went into the city in Philly for for New Year's Eve for dinner, and we saw them at a bar and uh, a really small place called Johnny Brenda's. They did the Tides that Bind, so um, yeah, so yeah. so you know yeah. they they like Bruce, yeah. But I was going to say this: the band that I think they sound a lot alike is a band that Levi mentioned earlier, and their record is right behind him. I think they sound a lot like Dire Straits, yeah. and I mean that in the best possible way. I love Dire Straits. They to me that's what i hear a lot of it it's like it's like they took it's like this band took a lot of the bands that the three of us like and just sort of channeled them through this weird thing i had this weird sort of you know this weird sort of ambiance I, I i don't it's just they're doing such good things you're right um it's like they took all all the bands that we like and just kind of mellowed them I don't well know. And,
1: and it's and it's interesting too because it's like You know, not a lot of people are going to reach for 80s Bruce Springsteen before, you know, other eras of Bruce Springsteen. But the sound that he pulled from what I feel is, you know, kind of more 80s Bruce Springsteen, he's put this twist on it that's like, oh, that's what Bruce should have been sounding like in the 80s. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) As opposed to Tunnel of Love. Right. Right, right. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) right. And I say that as a as a huge Bruce Springsteen fan, so yeah. There you and, go. and don't get me wrong, like like
0: I I like that whole record. I just the song, the, the title track is just that's not Bruce Springsteen. I'm sorry, it's
1: right. just not. Right, you just
2: need a little human touch, Gabriel. Yeah,
0: I mean, yes, I I know. I just I I like the whole record and lyrically, he'll never miss. You know, he he knows what he's doing and he always has. But the title track, like. It's like like, It's it's just it's gross It's a gross (laughs) song man Anyway um, So yeah But yeah good choice man Those guys are great Um, And just the amount of um, Their influences Their covers I think I, I posted it on Levi's Facebook page A while back ago They did Touch of Grey live Cool. Which is like, huh? <laughs> do you know, when you see that, but they do it, and it sounds awesome as wow. you can imagine. Like wow. they, uh, those guys just so know what they're doing, man. Yeah. Um, I, I got to see them back in March. They played the Metro, and it, you know, sounds like the words get out, because the show was sold out. It was really packed, um, and they did. Um, you know, they have excellent taste in covers. They did Mind Games by oh. Lennon um, at uh, at the Metro. So. These guys are up our alley, man. They 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 uh mm-hmm. they de- definitely they definitely are reading our re- reading from uh, the three of ours uh, our record collections, man. That's for sure. Definitely. Um. So yeah, good stuff. Great stuff. All right. Excellent round one, guys. Good stuff. Very diverse choices. Round two, Levi. Yes. What is your second and final pick?
2: My second round pick. I'm going thinking of it as kind of like a wild, crazy pick. Maybe right. you know. Like, uh, this band could end up being maybe just a flash in the pan. Right. Or, you know, maybe a Walton, so to speak. One good year, you know. Um, And some of from, they've been on a few commercials um, and they're called the Asteroid Galaxy Tour. Hmm. And they're kind of like, um, they're British and there's a female lead singer and she has kind of that Stereotypical British cockney, you know, British soul funk type singer voice. And that's kind of what they are. They're kind of like a soul funk party band with uh, elements of like electronica and beats in their music. And um, they did a song for a Heineken commercial and it was um, called the golden age. Mm. And then they also had a song for, I believe it was an, uh, I think it was an Apple commercial, and it was a, a, a song called Around the Bend. And those are probably two of their, their most accessible tunes right now because they're singles and available on iTunes. I think maybe their whole albums are. Um, they haven't released anything maybe two three years now, but um, their record that I had from, like I said, two or three years ago, it's called Fruit, mm-hmm. and it's an excellent record. And uh, if you're into... <laughs> that type of music some of it is kind of chill laid back some of it is like i said funky dance beats um i I think they're just kind of a fun i don't want to say they're like a throwaway band but like i think they're a really good fun band and sometimes i need to listen to that type of music (laughs) to make to help myself be in a better mood
0: you know so absolutely yeah good choice man and you know you Levi you brought up a good point when you were saying and i and i have i have I'm not familiar with them, but i'm I'm definitely gonna check them out um the the sort of electronic component to them that you mentioned it's kind of like even though all three of us i'm gonna assume aren't really you know fans necessarily of electronic music, parts of it are here to you know it's kind of here to stay, you know I think. Yeah. And if like the artists that I like, or if certain bands that I discover can use it well, then it's it's cool, you know. Um, like Levi had mentioned, sort of the chill sound that that um, that permeates some of that band's music. I can definitely dig on some of that stuff. You know, um, it's great music for when you're working. You know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like the non-dance techno, (laughs) you know what I mean? Um, And I I listened to, I I started to listen to some more of those groups. They're, some of them aren't really household names or anything, like a lot of them are foreign, you know, they're, I've just kind of discovered them through the internet and through RDO, Uh, but I really dig them. Yeah, it's, it's, it's good music. It's not necessarily like, you know, um, the sort of the guitar driven sound that I really use still isn't good music it's um yes, there's,
2: there's, i mean some yeah. of it may not be like super deep or anything but right. I mean, hey there's a there's definitely a time and a place for pop music
0: yeah oh absolutely absolutely and and i think a lot of pop music over the last few years has kind of been better than it has in recent years you know yeah, uh, i
2: definitely agree
0: yeah it's like you're sort of your your lily allen's you know your um I, hey i'll say it i i didn't think this would happen Timberlake's album was good, alright, I said it I know I said it on a rock and roll show So, um, but yeah You know, there's, so, pop music is is Better, you know, than it, than it, than it, it was For was sure in the early even, 2000s yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely So, good stuff, man, good choice Um Speaking of which, um, I'm Going to take one From Getz's list And I really hope I'm not taking Uh, his, so he might have to think um I looked at Getz's list and he I know all of you who are watching the show don't see it in front of you you had some really good artists on there and I've heard all of them and I like all of them as well um, the guy that stands out to me though I'll say for his songwriting um, is a guy I'll take as my second pick and it's Ryan Bingham so um, all he three was of us on my shortlist he was okay he was on the short list yeah. Um, he really, I was introduced to him through, um, one of our favorite guitarists, Mark Ford, uh, who from what I understand sort of discovered him, um, and produced his first record and played on most of his first record. Um, Mescalito, um, which is a really, that's still kind of my favorite one, I think. Really? Um, yeah. of, of his records. Yeah. Um, I, I can see the, how he evolved on the other records and I, I certainly um maybe musically it's a little more complicated and a little well not complicated complex than uh than the mescalito but i still that's the album of his i listen to most frequently um the, same way. the guitar playing's great on it you know the songwriting's good um you know the guy was in like his you know he's in his 20s and you know he sounds like he's been smoking camel unfiltered for for years you know he's got that really good gravelly voice um He's got, you know, the sort of he's got that that sort of storytelling Texas um, sort of angle like that you found, find in people like Towns Van Zandt, Guy Clark, Rodney Crowell, all of those really great singer songwriters from Texas. Um, he's he, you know, you, you, you can put him as sort of a modern day uh, version of those guys. Um so so yeah, and you know, his his work uh is really has been consistent too. Um I think Junkie Star was the follow up after Mescalito and then uh Tomorrowland was the one uh after that and, and both of them are really good
1: too. Tomorrowland's but, my um, favorite, yeah. What's that? Tomorrowland is my favorite. That,
0: it's a that's a good what, one. Yeah. That's what turned you know,
1: me on to him. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I for for me, like that one I haven't listened to it. I listened to it a lot, but I haven't listened to it as much as the other two to really say it would be my favorite, but they're, they're all, all three of them are great records. Um, Mescalito is, uh, is, is still my favorite, but, uh, yeah, he's, he, you know, he's batting a thousand for me. So, uh, so I, I just, good things coming from that kid and he'll just, he'll hopefully just keep
1: getting better. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's, uh, it's really encouraging when, I uh, when you hear stuff like that, um, coming out of that, that genre, I guess to put it, Right. uh, in a in a real general sense,
0: yeah. And I, you know, I didn't mention probably. I think probably what most people know him for is the Crazy Heart um, mm-hmm. s- soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um, that was that was probably his biggest, He won an Oscar, you know, for it. So uh, that was probably his his biggest exposure to a to a mainstream audience. Um, uh, and good for him there. Um, but uh, but yeah, he's a, just a hell of a songwriter. So. Yeah. So he would be my second pick, Gats. Yes, I nice. hope I didn't steal yours, nope. but
1: he's no, on it's... Team Estel now. <laughs> <laughs> it's, no, he's uh, yeah, that's a solid choice um, because I'm really excited to hear what he might do next. Um, the direction—I wouldn't be surprised if maybe he goes back toward the the Mescalita direction. Um, you know, Tomorrowland is certainly more uh, uh, bombastic at times. Uh, i wouldn't be surprised if he reins it in a bit more but either way i'm cool man (laughs) i'm I'm like yeah Yeah. just bring it um yeah but uh so yeah you know there's still a lot of good choices here um and and i really have to credit audio for you know uh, like facilitating uh, an environment where i can just go listen to these albums you know just based on album covers or whatever if i see you listening to it i'll listen to it and i'll give it a shot and And, um, one of the bands that I, I was deep into, you know, new release Tuesday and I'm just, and I'm scrolling and scrolling and scrolling, just looking for something to, to throw into the queue. And, um, this, this album cover caught my eye. It was, it had to be a couple hundred albums down. Um, and, uh, it was all J and, uh, you know, all J released, um, Released uh, their uh, only record to this point, though they have uh, just recently announced their follow-up uh, to be released this fall, um, and uh, uh, you know, it, and it it got immediate notoriety in England because they, you know, they got nominated for the Mercury Prize and won the Mercury Prize uh, mm-hmm. for best best album uh, in England and it was something that it was just a sound I hadn't heard before uh, obviously some influences there uh, in the easy one is, is to say Radiohead but, but it's not you know it's not really Radiohead maybe from a production standpoint it's, it's more Radiohead influence but uh, there, there's more choruses there that, um, you know like literal vocal chorus um, uh, and, and, and harmonies there that i mean these guys just hold themselves up in their uh in the in their in their dorm room i guess and just spent years making this album and just doing you know what what they wanted to do with it and it was um uh you know a long time coming and sure enough i mean they nail it it's probably one of the best uh you know i guess uh, debut albums Probably in the last twenty years, uh, when you talk about a band, and I don't know where they might take this, but a band that uh, you know immediately gets that sound, and I'm always talking about the production value. They immediately get that production value right out of the gate. Not even the War on Drugs had that production value yet. Um, the War on Drugs. First, on the first record. No, no, no. the first record. I, I don't. I don't really spend that much because it just doesn't have that War on Drugs sound that they eventually found. But Alt J, they immediately found the sound, and uh, so and it turns out they're they're really big in Kansas City. They get a lot of uh, they got a lot of radio airplay here before they did it elsewhere in the states. Overseas they were well known, but in the states uh, they got a lot of airplay here. So sub- subsequently, um, uh, here in Kansas City, uh, they uh, uh, you know booked a booked a show um, at the Midland, and uh, that I was fortunate enough to see, and they recorded. Um, they did a, uh, a video recording of it to to like build their um, uh, uh, their press kit uh, pack to send around oh, okay. the states um, because sure. I mean oh. they played the Midland and, and you know they packed a, a few thousand people in there so um, that's pretty significant uh, and so yeah granted that they, they Kansas City's not on their uh, not on their list uh, for this fall tour but uh, nevertheless I mean I mean. I, the new record is probably going to be one of the most anticipated releases, uh, for the rest of the year. So Alt J
0: good. Excellent choice, man. Yeah, they were, they were on my short list as well. Um, you know, it's, I, if, if I one other criteria that I, I didn't tell all of you, but I, I sort of gave myself was that I wanted them to have more than one record. You know, that was, that was for me, that was another, another criteria. Um, and 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 the quality from that first torch record to that second torch record, I mean, is you know is uh, there's a pretty big gap there, but they're still both really good. So yeah, I mine they had multiple releases, and then Levi, dude, the ones that you chose, they all have yeah. multiple records, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Well, and and actually, and this is how much I believe in Alt J, because no, I think that that's a um, that is a potential downfall. Is that you know it's it's like you have the guy who like just raked his senior year in college, but he has like no other track record um do you how high do you take that guy well uh, and and some of these bands like saint rich is an example of a band that it's like eh, i i'm i really like the the this first saint rich album but i don't know you know like where do they take it from here i don't know how it can sure. last but with alt j i think it's it's almost yeah i don't know where they'll take it but they just just so nailed that first one that I mean it's it's as if, you know, they they went out there and they had, you know, only, you know, six or seven quality starts, but you know, just based off those starts that that they've got what it takes.
0: Yeah. They're a, they're a, they're an early Steven Strasburg, you know, like they <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you know, you know they're going to be good. Yeah. Definitely. Cool. Well, moving on to baseball. Um the draft, as I mentioned earlier, was 2 weeks ago. Um and uh, we're going to talk just a little bit about each of our team's first round pick, and then we're each going to talk about um, a bust for each of our teams. This is a not a bust, um, uh, you know, a bust in fairly recent years. Um, so, so we're going to talk about those as well. Um, I think we'll probably just stick with the same order. Um, we'll do Levi, and then and uh, I'll do um, I'll do mine, and then and Jonathan, you can do yours then as well. Um, let's go ahead then and. Uh, start off with just an, a brief overview of the player that was selected in the first round for our three respective teams this year, and then we'll go into uh, to the to the, the historic bust after that. So, Levi, you want to talk us about? Tell us, uh, Cubs had a high pick yeah. this year, man.
2: Yeah, it was one of their higher picks in you know recent memory. They selected a catcher by the name of Kyle Schwarber who they i think finally just got signed three four or five days ago nice and um he was projected to be, be like one of the best if not the best hitter in the draft so um it'll be interesting to see how the cubs play him they initially we're talking about maybe moving him to the outfield because they don't really necessarily have a need for a power hitting catcher right now or they i maybe want to extend his career i'm not sure but um he has said in interviews that he really enjoys playing catcher, so it would be interesting. I mean, I, you know, I, I enjoyed the power hitting catcher. I, I always did, you know, whether it was Mike Piazza, the guys in the 80s, there was a ton of them, you know. And, you know, it's like it's all about the, the defensive prowl of the catcher and how they handle the pitchers and stuff. Right. So it'll be interesting to see. Initially, a lot of people thought the Cubs should have took like a, a the best pitcher that was left when they got up, and what they decided to do was take what they thought was the best player left on the board. Which, I mean, I think you know is it's you know that's what you have to do sometimes.
0: Yeah, and I like the pick, man. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Do go ahead. No,
2: no, yeah, I I w- I was happy with the pick. I mean, I think they could have did
0: worse. I don't yeah. think they could have did much better right um if you see a catcher that high i mean the fourth pick you know that's got to be a pretty good catcher you know what i mean cuz i mean we don't always baseball teams don't always expect a lot of hitting out of their catchers you know i mean if you're if your catcher pulls 260 you're like hey awesome you know um yeah um and granted over the last probably 5 or 6 years baseball i think has seen um, an influx of good hitting catchers yeah Power uh you know Brian yeah, yeah, yeah. Weeders, exactly. Brian McCann um, um you know there's uh uh Buster Buster Posey probably probably who probably will be the best of all of those eventually I think um but yeah so there's been a lot of good hitting catchers lately and he he could join yeah, that, that he's played yeah. college ball too right
2: Yeah, he led Indiana, I think, to a championship this last year. So, um, yeah,
0: Yeah, I mean, he's a little closer to ready than the high school guys, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, which is good. Yeah.
2: The rest of the picks were kind of spent on pitching, and then like a few, you know, uh, field positions. But the the bust I'm going to pick was actually in college, uh, a really good pitcher. Then the Cubs drafted and tried to turn into a power hitter and find him basically for a while drafted defensive position, actually, is, I guess, mm. the statement I was looking for. And it was in 1993, and that player's name is Brooks Kieschnick.
0: <laughs> He's nice. one of
2: the Cubs' biggest busts ever. He was, I think, the number 10th pick overall in the 93 uh, draft. And he was going to be our savior. He was at the Cubs convention in 1994 as a just a draft pick, mm. a, a, a ch- choice. I have a 1994 Cubs season calendar, you know, what? pocket schedule <laughs> autographed by Bert Nice.
1: It's,
2: it's worth about the paper it costs to print it. So <laughs> he was just heralded, though, in, in Chicago and around the Cubs organization as. He was going to be the savior. He was going to be the, the power hitting person the Cubs needed at that time because that was, you know, before Sammy had come along. Right. And um, it, it just did not work. He he actually, he's one of the, I, he may be the only person. He won the best college player of the year award twice. I think it's called mm. the Dick Hauser trophy. Mm. And, he, he tore up the minor leagues, and he just got to the Cubs and couldn't do anything. He played for two years and then was taken in the expansion draft in 97 by Tampa Bay.
0: Oh, okay. Didn't
2: even play a game for the big league team. I think, like, toiled in their minors for a while and then just kind of faded away. And it, it was a shame because, like I said, at, at that Cubs convention, it was like they had, were carrying – them in like oh, right. yeah, on their <laughs> shoulders. He was he was gonna bring championships Cups to Chicago. Grapes, you know.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I remember that guy, man. I when I was looking through my cards um uh, a few weeks ago I, I found I don't know. It was like it was like a Fleer, or if you remember those cards that were called Studios. I think I had Ugh. I had one of those of his. So yeah, I I found Studios I found one of his cards. Yeah, he was highly touted, man. He was he was supposed to be the real deal. Um, yeah, yeah, good picks, but yeah, I again I really like the Cubs' uh, first round pick uh, this year. So uh, who knows, man? Like guy, and that guy, that guy could be close to. I mean, obviously he's going to spend a little bit of time in the minors, but um, you know the advantage of that, like the White That's, Sox pick, is, you know, we might not have to wait that long for, for, well, for yeah, those guys.
2: He's played well at a high college level. Right, I mean, Big It wasn't school, just like he was yeah. on some state, you know, small right. or something. He was, you know, on a Big Ten school, and they were successful. So I, I think that lends to, like you said, him maybe having a chance to be here sooner than later.
0: Yeah, hopefully. Um, well, the, the White Sox – Picked high this year as well One of their highest picks in recent years They were just the pick before the Cubs uh, They were the third yep. pick And we picked If this would have been a year ago Most most writers said This guy would have gone number one um, But his last year At NC State He still pitched really well But he just didn't pitch as well as he did the year before So his stock dropped Just a little bit And the guys Carlos Carlos Rodon um, And uh, he's a lefty Twenty one years old, you know, got a good fastball, about, you know, like ninety five or so. Um, and there were two high school pitchers that emerged um, that were picked one and two. Brady Aiken and then um, Kotek, I think is his name. Uh, the guy that just throws like just r- ridiculous, like one hundred and three or something Stupid, like yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> just insane. Um, so those guys went one and two and those guys probably maybe they have a little bit of a higher ceiling than than rodan does but rodan you know i've read some reports that say if we get him signed they might bring him up this year Um, and and, you know it's (laughs) speculation you know and it's it's premature i know um and i don't always really like it when teams do that but um I don't know. It might be an incentive that they have to sign him because as I, I texted you guys the other day and I, you know, when I, we got the pick, I was really excited. I'm like, Oh yeah. You know, I was dreaming of the prospect of a Chris sale, Carlos Verdon one, two. <laughs> and then I look who his fucking agent is right. Pardon my language. He's a Boris client. All right. So that tells me right there that this isn't, um, isn't a deal that's going to be done easily. Um, if, So I've had my fingers crossed that we can get this guy signed and, you know, get him down to Birmingham and start throwing and then, you know, hopefully bring him up. I'd rather see next year or or even late next year or the year after um, rather than this year, Um, just because he's, you know, he's such a such a commodity that uh, I don't want to burn him out. Uh, But, yeah, we'll see. You know, we'll see what if he gets the deal done. Um, The first pick, I think Aiken is already signed. Levi mentioned the number four pick was signed. Yeah. Um two is signed too. Okay. Yeah. Right. So yeah, so the top three of the top four picks are signed and lo and behold, the <laughs> Boris client that the White Sox signed, the White Sox drafted isn't signed. Um so yeah, the signing bonus is going to be big, you know. Um certainly as I as I've uh I've chastised Scott Boris before, um the guy knows what he's doing, you know. He he obviously does his job well. Um he tries to get the best for, uh, for his clients and Rodon will be no exception. Um, so hopefully hopefully we can get a deal done. Um, so I was excited about the pick, but maybe not as excited as Levi might be because you know they've already they've already signed the deal or or signed it as I think the Astros had the first pick, right? Um, because it's just yeah, I'll cross my fingers that we can get a deal done. So we'll see because the White Sox have really for the most part avoided Boris clients. Uh, the management just doesn't doesn't like working hmm. with him. Um, Kenny Williams, former GM, just kind of always avoided, avoided Boris free agents. Um, really, Joe Creedy's like the only Boris client. We were uh, Joe, uh, Joe Creedy, and then Diane Viciato, <laughs> who we've Creedy. got right now. Those are the only those are the only Boris clients that we've had in recent years. So so the organization has made it explicit that they don't really like working with this guy, but they knew that you know before they drafted him. So hopefully uh, that's a sign that uh we can have some optimism and, and get this deal done um but yeah i'm excited about him if we, if we do sign him you know awesome you know probably be hope high profile pitchers in our system in in, in a couple decades probably so because um, i chris, chris sale Huck to birmingham right yeah chris sale um you know is great now um and he was a first rounder um but I don't know if a lot of people thought he would be this good this soon, um, or or on draft day thought he would be the, he was certainly wasn't as coveted as as Rodon was so or is so um,
2: yeah. so yeah he we'll does see really
0: well with him. yeah so I'm I hope we can get the deal done. I'm excited um, let's if
2: he hope, gets down to Birmingham soon it'll be like the biggest crowd since Michael Jordan was oh right yeah there. <laughs> yeah definitely
0: yeah he's he's gonna draw a man and plus being a lefty as well you know that's that's. You know, that's just the icing on the cake right there. So fingers crossed. Um, my bust, um, you know, I, I this morning earlier, I was going through the, the draft uh, picks. I looked from the White Sox pick from basically like. And, uh, you know, some guys that some couple first rounders that, you know, I just never materialized. This guy is one of them. This guy made the big league squad. Um, and he's really he's really famous, not for his plane. He's famous really for two, two things. Um, the guy's name is a guy by the name of Joe Borchard. I don't know if you guys remember him or not. Um, yeah, <laughs> I don't blame you. He's about a career two Oh two hitter. So, um, Joe Borchard was the 12th pick overall in the 2000 draft. Um, so 12th pick. And this is the odd thing. Um, at that particular time in 2000, even though he was the 12th pick, which is high, but, you know, it's, it's not one of the top three picks. At the time, he signed the highest signing bonus in baseball history um, at that time. Wow. Yeah. Justin Upton came along a few years later and signed a bigger one. But um, at the time, and mind you, this is in 2000, he signed a $5.3 million signing bonus. Wow. That's huge. Yeah, I've never even heard of this guy Yeah, I know And um, the guys we were mentioning earlier Aiken, the first pick overall this year from um, For the Astros This is in 2014 His signing bonus was only a little over Six million bucks <laughs> So that goes wow. to show you how Just absurd this signing bonus was Fifteen yeah. years ago They were oh, high right. on that, dude yeah. yeah, he was the quarterback at Stanford So he was a two-sport guy Um Really big, you know, power hitter. Um, He was going to be an outfielder. Um, You know, I think he's they were going to put him in left, I think. Um, And they brought him up uh, about 2002 or so. And it just it just never clicked. He can never hit big league pitching. Um, He was kind of slow, too. You know, I mean, and uh, the other thing that he's well and he played just periodically the white Sox for uh three years he was on the world series team at the beginning of the season but I, i don't think he was on the um the end of the year roster you know that won the series um played for the white Sox just you know a little bit from 02 to 05 then he went um went to seattle and then he went to florida and he did stick around the minors for a while his last his last gig was in 2010 for the giants triple a team in fresno so so you know he was able to get some miles in at the minor league level but he didn't see any big league pitches after 2007 when he played just briefly with the marlins so joe borchard the other thing in addition to the signing bonus that he's knows known for um no one's taken this away from him yet longest home run in um the comiskey Then, well U.S. Cellular Field, which I cringe when I call it that. Um, longest home run in 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 that park's history five hundred four feet. So Jeez. so uh, he's got that. <laughs> which, this was just a blast. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So longest home run in history. Um, the the that park's history, and then also at that time, bonus. So Joe Borchard um, Wow. You know. Hopefully he invested that money well. That signing bonus. So yeah, he went to Stanford, right? He must be. I was going to say, is he a doctor or a lawyer now, or what? (laughs) Yeah, but anyway, so those those are that's that's this year's pick and yesteryear's bust for me. Okay, all right. What about you? Well,
1: I'll start with yesteryear's bust, and and I was I've been kind of flipping back and forth. Um, uh, the Royals, uh, from 2005 to 2008, had the second, first, second, and third picks, respectively. Mm. Um, uh, with those picks, Alex Gordon, Luke Hochaver, Mike Moustakis, and Eric Hosmer. Um, granted, all four of those players are on their active roster, except for Hochaver, who had surgery. Um, otherwise, he would be uh, their main setup guy. Um, I was going to say Moustakis, um, uh, because I mean, the hitting is just just not present. Um, but at the same time, you know, he's still kind of young. Um, he, he was the number two overall, so, but Hochafer was the number one overall. And, um, and there were a lot of busts in Moustakis' draft. Really only a couple players amounted to anything, um, uh, so far, I guess. Um, but in the Ho'chaver draft, um, he was number one overall. Um, uh, 2.5 war, career war. Um, two picks later, Evan Longoria. <laughs> um, uh, uh, career 37 war, uh, Clayton Kershaw pick number seven, 34 war, Tim Lincecum oh. number 10, Max Scherzer number 11. Oh
0: my God. Um,
1: so when you think about all of the pitching in there, um, uh, that, that hurts a little bit more, I think though, Hochever, granted he's, he's found a career as a reliever, um, uh, as you know, one of the more dominant setup men over the last couple of years. Uh, I, you know, when you're pick number one overall, you're not picking a setup, man, you're, you're picking right. a starter. <laughs> exactly. yes. And, uh, uh, so yeah, just, just seeing, seeing all those other guys, um, uh, uh sitting there after him. Granted hindsight's always 2020 20, and, and anybody sure, may yeah. have picked Hochaver with that number one overall. Um, but, uh, uh, that that's that that one stings quite a bit. Now, granted, he might he might still redeem himself, but but he's he's running out of time. Um, with a career five point one ERA, um, it's it's a little rough. So, um, uh, uh, and that year, Kershaw got Kershaw was a
0: pick that year. Was Kershaw like like eleven years old? <laughs>
1: that, yeah, that guy's
0: only twenty six right now. Right.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Taken out of high school. Um no. but yeah, and there were other uh, uh you know, other guys Andrew Miller and Brad Lincoln, Brandon Morrow, all pitchers taken before Kershaw that draft. So um the Royals weren't the only ones who missed by any stretch and and um you know, we'll see this year because uh, you know, they, they uh the Royals took uh this uh smaller pitcher, Brandon Fenegan, uh lefty. Uh, it's only five eleven, buck eighty, uh, and immediately you like
0: the short guys, man.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Jordano Ventura has has the Royals high on the on the short guys, and uh, uh, you know, total you know physical opposite of 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 Luke Hochhafer. uh But uh, uh, you know, immediately after they took him, all the MLB draft guys on MLB Network were talking about the shoulder problems, recovering from surgery. I was like, oh, great, awesome. You know, but then Gammons got on there, and, and Gammons was pretty high on him. Um, uh, Gammons said, you know, he'll get over the shoulder surgery. If he never had it, he would have been, you know, a top eight pick, for what that's worth. Um, and uh, so we'll see. In the meantime, you know, the Royals do have, you know, Kyle Zimmer, who's a, who's a pitcher who's about ready to come up. Um, but you know, it's uh, the MLB draft is can be such a crapshoot, and is the biggest crapshoot out of all the drafts uh, in, in, in pro sports. Yeah. Um, uh, maybe yeah, and, battle hockey, but, you know.
2: Yeah, I Gabe and I had talked about this in a text a little bit earlier this week. Guy, I, I just... I think it's amazing. It's like the sport where it takes athletes the longest to progress to the highest level of performance.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's why I don't think it gets the recognition and definitely and it definitely doesn't get, you know, the TV ratings that the NFL or NBA draft does because those are sports where those players are expected to contribute the next like four months yeah, next from yeah, yeah. Instant gratification for those yeah, teams. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and it's, that's just the nature of the sport. Um, and, uh, you know, and then you you have guys like like Holes who you know are picked way late and eventually turn into right. this. Uh, meanwhile, uh, you know there, there are you know players in these other sports that um, you know I think it was Tom Brady who said that if if he you know Tom Brady was picked in the sixth round, if he were picked um, as a first rounder, he never would have made it because he wouldn't have had the time to develop. And mm. of course, he developed under Drew Brees, or I'm sorry, Drew Bledsoe. Um, and so, I think. Uh, it pl- I think it, it, baseball players get in their own heads probably more than any other sport, um, and that gives them time to either blossom into something that nobody saw before, or to just completely crumble. Um, sure. And uh, that makes uh, that adds a whole other level of complexity, I think, to the MLB draft that that maybe you don't see um, with the other sports.
0: Right. Yeah. Good, uh, good stuff, man. Um, You know, you, you had mentioned all those players that um, the Royals could have had instead of Hochaver at number one. So I went, I went and looked at um, the 93 list for, for uh, Kieschnick and then the 2000 list for Borchardt Levi, you could have had Chris Carpenter, Hunter, who's still playing and still playing Jeez, well, yeah. um, Jason or Jason Veritek too. Wow. So, uh, so yeah. And then for me, I could have had this guy by the name of Chase Utley. Wow. So, wow. Um, or I could have had this guy. It's hard to believe this guy was drafted this long ago. Adam Wainwright as well. Wow. So wow. yeah Which two thousand? Yeah, I didn't think I didn't Wainwright. Um, I didn't. That's a long time ago. I didn't think that he was is. drafted that long. Ago. Yeah so uh so yeah but so but as you said hindsight is 2020 so yeah uh, yeah yeah there's uh you know everybody uh thinks uh you know they've the luke hochaver is is could be the next um i'm trying to think of a band that would be the equivalent of that you know uh I, shit, I don't know. Clap your hands, say yeah. I don't know. They were big. You know, they were like everybody was really big on them. Oh, yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, those, and then they end up being the brooks of the world. So. <laughs> anyway, anyway, well, good stuff, guys. Um, yeah. Did we want to
2: say a memorium? Yeah,
0: please. Yeah, go ahead, man. Yeah. Um. Three. We yeah, lost wanna... really three baseball. Uh, three baseball giants really um yeah absolutely you can uh, say it yeah after uh, over the last couple of weeks sad stuff um so yeah uh, we lost uh, take, don zimmer
2: yeah. Yeah, yeah i was gonna say i'll take don zimmer man 1989 yeah the the boys of zim yeah he uh he was an integral part of my childhood as a cubs fan growing yeah. up it was like uh, almost like a cartoon character for, yeah. for uh, a a manager as a as a small child that you know mm-hmm. that's
0: how i perceived it and
2: uh, yeah man it was a shame to hear that he passed away
0: great baseball personality um, you know just really uh, had uh, just been in the game for so long they've been connected to the game for so long Absolutely. 60 years um, yeah yeah, no. yeah not afraid to fight pedro martinez as well so no. oh, yeah no, man. No. he
2: like <laughs> That I remember when that happened. There were like cup fans in Illinois that were like ready to beat up Pedro Martinez, <laughs> right?
0: right. <laughs> and um, you know he, he did like an about face a couple days later and apologized for it. You know, um, so yeah, he 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 seemed seemed like uh, seemed like a good dude, um, and yeah, hell of a coach too. So, and then the other guy um, probably didn't get as much recognition as the two other players um, that passed away, Bob Welch. Uh, 1990 American League Cy Young winner, and I remember that season. I remember him just just racking up wins. Um, I don't remember how many he had that year. I know he had over 20 wins. Um, that was on the '90 A's team, which was still like just loaded with talent. You know, that's still like, at and Maguire, and Hendersons, and Dave, Dave Stewart, Stewart yeah. and all of those Excellent. guys. So yeah, um, kind of a still a pretty good career, but that was like that's sort of the, the kind of the out, it was one of those kind of almost outlier Cy Young's, you know, it was like, it's kind of like that year that Ken Cam got the MVP. You know what I mean? Not that Ken Caminetti was a terrible player, but it's just like, whoa, Ken Caminetti MVP. It was kind of like, whoa, Bob (laughs) Welch. Well, it's it's an
1: interesting comparison because I think they both, they both uh, battle substance abuse. Right. Yeah. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, so, so, yeah, Bob Welch, rest in peace as well. Um, he passed away. And then uh, the last guy, just, just found out today, um, uh, probably the, probably just the, really the master of the base hit, <laughs> you know? Um, mm-hmm. If there's any, any player that was, like, just a, a singles machine, it was this guy, and, you know, his really? batting average speaks for itself. His batting average is just like a video game batting average. Uh, Tony Gwynn. So uh, you know, who's who really kind of defied the odds, you know, you look at his body type, you know, you don't that doesn't really scream like big league baseball player. Um, but he's just one of those guys that made it work and he always, you know, would remained um if I'm not mistaken, I don't know if he was drafted by him, but he spent he spent his whole career.
2: Twenty years. Yeah. With, All twenty yeah. 20-
0: years uh, he played at san diego state university right
2: so it was like he basically Jeez. walked across town and then yeah. played for 20 years
0: yeah which is great you know you don't you don't really see that um anymore no. you know you don't um derek jeter retiring at the end of this year could be could be kind of the last you know um of that you know just in the age of high big free agent contracts and and trading players to kind of unload oh, yeah. them for prospects. Yeah, you probably won't see too many more Tony Gwynns.
2: No, uh, and I I had the honor of being at a Cubs game back in the 90s and it was two of my favorite players at the time, Mark Grace and uh Tony Gwynn. So, I'll always have that memory. He was he was, you know, Mr. Baseball in San Diego for sure. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely. And and went through a lot of ups and downs with that team, you know. They I mean, they had that World Series appearance in '96, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, in you know, the '84, we, they were. He, he he had some years where you know they weren't a powerhouse by any means. So so yeah, so, uh, so, uh, so and yeah, I mean definitely. I think
2: he was sometimes accused as like being more about his average than than winning. Sometimes, like some of his teammates actually do some of that at a certain point mm-hmm. in career, but um.
1: Yeah, you yeah. Know, these he, are the same people who still... like claim that Ichiro could lead the league in home runs if he really wanted yeah, to. Right, yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That that average is just just sick, though, man. Um, for Gwynn, like just perennial three hundred.
1: Oh, ridiculous!
0: Ridiculous. Well, yeah. Three ninety four in
1: ninety four, um, three sixty eight, three fifty three, three seventy two, four consecutive years. Yeah.
0: 394 yeah. that is nuts
1: yeah 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 of course that was 94 stri- strike shortened.
0: sure but then 368 <laughs> even during a full season like yeah. nobody does yeah. that yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: 370 in 1987 yeah. right yeah. ridiculous
0: yeah. yeah and even later in his career was still hitting at a pretty pretty uh yeah yeah yeah, yeah absolutely uh
1: 321 338 323 and 324 To close out his career.
2: (laughs) I'm going to, just for a fun little fact, I'm going to throw a trivia question out. See if either one of you guys or any of the listeners at home know it. Do you guys know who had the most hits during the 1990s?
0: Most hits? In the 90s? In the 1990s. It's not Gwen, right? Correct. It's not Gwen. Okay.
2: And it was almost eighteen hundred hits he compiled in a decade.
1: Jeez, nineties most hits.
2: Yeah, uh, a, any it, guesses? Boggs. A really no. good, really good shot, but no,
0: that was Not in the nineties. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, good guess though. I'll say, I'll say Sheffield. I don't know. Uh, That's also a good shot.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah, The answer, it's going
2: to blow a lot of people's minds.
1: Hold on. Hold on. Give us the
2: team. Mark Grace. Really? Mark Grace. Sorry. Wow. Yeah. Mark Grace. Can you believe it? Wow. He had almost, he had 1,750-something hits in the 90s. Wow. He, he He holds that distinction. You'll never take that away from him.
0: I guess he came up in the league in like 88 or 89, 89, so he really just 89 had that decade, you know? It, yeah. yeah. Then yeah. ended with the diamondbacks right on that 2001 team. Yeah. I just
2: think that that's a really neat fact. Not it is. People know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah he would have been started. way down in my guest list. <laughs> yeah. That guy would, yeah. He wasn't even on my radar, man. <laughs> well, I mean, no, it, it, Like, yeah, but, that's yeah. like kind
2: of like a, that's a, that's a title he acquired really quietly.
0: Yeah. 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 <laughs> most hits of the nineties. Wow. Good stuff. Well, let's let's show our cards, man. Um, ah, okay. Good stuff all around, guys. Um, uh, Levi, you want to go first, man? Uh, did, or was it Zimmer? Uh,
2: well, that the Zimmer I was just using as kind of a, a show and tell thing. Sure. My actual card is a 1987 Donruss. It was one of the first inserts they made. It was a run of cards called Donruss Pop Ups. Well, I remember, yeah, yeah. And what these were, they were of all the the All-Stars from each year. And this is 1987. The All-Star game was played in Oakland. And this is a Ricky Henderson. And it is virgin. It has not been popped. And for you, our <laughs> wonderful audiences. Whoa. I'm going to pop this Ricky Whoa. Henderson chair to <laughs> see if we can get it open. Ah.
0: Wow. Whoa. Whoa since 1987.
2: Wow.
0: Happen. Is nice. he on the Yankees we... then? He was. Okay. Yep. All right. Yep. Awesome. Nice. Man. That's crazy. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Nice. I, oh, man. I, I don't know if I can top that. That's, no. that's awesome. No. My card is not, um, I don't know. It doesn't, it's, it doesn't, a, <laughs> it's, not, it's not multidimensional <laughs> or whatever. But anyway, um, you know what? This one's weird. We've, we've already talked about this guy, but I kid you not. Um, I, uh, earlier this afternoon, I was, I, I hadn't picked my card yet. And, um, I basically got all my cards, my remaining cards in like one of those Rubbermaid kind of tubs, you know, mm-hmm. um, and my books with all my, my good stuff in it, um, which with the good, like 47 Todd Van Poppel cards in there. Cause like, I haven't touched exactly. the books since like 1992, um, <laughs> But I had, like, a, a one of those really long boxes, you know? So I was like, oh, you know, I'll, I'll peek through here, you know, see what we got. And I kid you not, I just open the middle. I, like, they're all lined up. I just, you know, pull, there's a little bit of room in there from Wiggle Room. I pull it open. Tony Gwynn, post-serial card. <laughs> all right? Nice. Wow. No logo? Nope. No, no logo. No, no logo. Not, not uh, MLB approved. 1991. Yeah, post-serial so I was munching on some honeycombs. I was looking nice. through the Post family of cereals, and that Golden was probably specs. that yeah. was probably honeycombs were probably the one that were in the Estelle household most frequently. <laughs> our our raisin brand was always Kellogg's, so we didn't have <laughs> Post raisin brand. So yeah, Tony Gwynn, 1991 collector series from Post cereal, uh, no logo, um, and look at these batting averages. We already talked about them. Just just pretty amazing stuff so
1: nice. here it is tony nice. Gwynn. well done
0: yeah rest from the cereal box Thanks,
1: you know levi i was looking at those uh those don russ was it don russ you said that were released this year
2: yeah yeah that those were inserts in 87 don russes
1: no i'm sorry the um 88, uh, I think. T- 2014 uh series um
2: oh yeah yeah They're, they they came back out panini is the brand that bought them but right. the, they they Say Donruss. but yeah. yeah
1: but do you, you notice how uh, strategic all of the poses are? Um, there, it's not MLB endorsed, and so yes, so. yeah, yeah. They had to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they couldn't. Yeah, they so. couldn't
2: get the licenses.
1: Yeah, it's just MLBPA. So yeah, only player names. <laughs> no, no, no teams, and everybody's like. You know, like like pitchers are <laughs> like this. And, <laughs> and guy,
2: guys like guy, catching the ball, like blocking the logo <laughs> yeah. on his No. Like,
1: <laughs> There's a lot Price of tips Hard of the cap. <laughs>
0: yes, right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but uh, my, this was uh, my, my first, like, real uh, valuable card. And I forget how I acquired it. Probably in a trade uh, with my brother um but uh this was i thought this was gonna like get me through college um it's the uh 1982 uh fleer uh cal Ripken junior rookie uh nice. uh and uh the, this is yeah I think at the time it was worth about eighty bucks um yeah. it may uh, have maxed out about a hundred maybe yeah I bet but, it reached yeah. triple triple digit yeah yeah, yeah 100, 120 hundred hundred twenty maybe um this this one's in pretty big it's in i don't know it's probably good or very good it's not meant by any stretch yeah. um but um uh uh good g- good design and um uh, uh cal uh cal's looking pretty slender on there but oh, yeah. Um, yeah
2: man he was he was slender when he was young for sure i had that, that same card it uh like, in the ranking of, like, R- Ripken rookies, everybody wanted the Topps-traded one. Yeah. Then there was a Topps rookie card with him and, like, two other Orioles rookies. Yeah. And then the Donruss and then the Fleer card. They're, um, they're all really good-looking rookie cards.
0: And one is, of those guys, one of the rare, like, superstar players, too, I don't know how rare it is. It seems rare to me, that, like, got the World Series, like, right away. You know what I mean? In 83. Right, yeah. And, then and so forgot. he
1: never had, he never yeah. had the pressure. Yeah. Of being, you know, not having the ring, Um, which like Tony Gwynn always had, you know, oh, he never had a ring. Well, and it's like, well, when did Ripken? Oh, he was a rookie. Yeah, right. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yep. So it's it's interesting how uh, like it's hands off. Hey, he got he got his ring. Hands off. You don't have to worry about it anymore. Um, But uh, uh, yeah, yeah. So there you have it, Cal Ripken, Jr. Yeah.
0: Nice work, fellas.
1: He didn't have to
2: worry about it. He just had to show up at work for the next fifteen years or so. Right? Yeah. Okay. Every day. Every
0: day. Every day. Yeah. Right. Right. Did they ever move him over to third? Mm-hmm. They did, right?
1: Mm-hmm. He, I think um, he played
0: a few games early in
2: his career at that, didn't they? Yeah, or he's no? yeah he's
1: um, started there, and actually on here he's listed uh, as third base. Oh, okay. Yep. 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 So. Um, but, yeah, you'll remember, I think it was in the All-Star game late in his career that, that, like, they switched him over. You know, even though he was voted in at third base, they, like, Jeter switched with him so he could play short. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah he was, like,
0: like him that. and Griffey were, like, All-Star guaranteed. Like, they could have terrible seasons where they're hitting, like, you know, oh, right. like, like yeah. 195, and, like, yeah. they'd still be on oh, the yeah. All-Star yeah. team.
1: Popularity yeah. contest. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Well, excellent Good work, start. guys. Yeah, man, definitely. Yeah. Good show. And, uh... Let's uh, let's do it again next week, man. We already got yeah. uh, already got the the topic ready, I think. So uh, we'll talk Looking about it. Looking forward to it. Uh, yeah, yeah, should be fun. So right.
1: good luck with the little one.
0: Thank you very much. Yeah. Yes. Have a good night. See fellas. later. We'll take see. care. Yeah. Bye
1: bye. Bye later.